0: Welcome back to another edition of the fried egg podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at B Fall is almost here. So it's time for some new arrivals from B Definitely worth checking out over on their website, bDrati.com. Uh A couple new styles that they have is the tripping Billy polo. It's a printed polo made of the softest Peruvian cotton, as always. Um, It features a tonal tie-dye. There's a casual take to a polo, but you can still wear it at most country clubs. And, you know, it'll look good off the course, too, which is one of the best things. For a limited time, you can get 25% off your order at bdratty.com with the code TFE25. That's TFE25. And go to Beedratty.com today's episode, I am joined by Stuart Hagestad. Uh, Stuart is fresh off a quarterfinal run in the U.S. Amateur. Um, It looks like he will be in the U.S. Open for the fourth consecutive year, assuming all the points in the World Amateur Golf Ranking shake out, and he uh, makes it into that top seven. So Stuart joined to talk about the week at Bandon, playing Bandon, how it was kind of different than your traditional USAM, and then we just talk a lot about other stuff in golf. So, without further ado, here is Stuart Hagestad.
1: i miss a Green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg, fried egg, the dreaded fried fried egg, fried egg, fried egg, fried egg, fried egg,
0: fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. My question was was 15 as the hard as five on that golf course or yeah. harder was it harder than we even saw on tv because it seemed like nobody could even finish the hole
1: it was uh there's a i think it's number six or county down the locals like to call it the hardest part five on that golf course and the same can be said for 15 it was so hard
0: that one day uh i think it was your 32 match it, it, it was it blowing like 30 cross at that point
1: I played Tibbetts my Was it? No, no, 16, 16. Yeah, around 16. Okay. so I don't know if I told you this. I don't know if we've spoken on the phone, but um, if there was no wind, that putt should go like probably a cup, maybe a cup and a half left to right. And I played it a cup right to left. <laughs> so breaking up the hill, like guessing the wind, it was wild.
0: Was uh. I mean, it had to be so much different of a USAM than the traditional USAM. I mean, you've played in a number of them. Was this the most different golf course from any of the others?
1: So I'll say this. It was by far, by far, the easiest golf course with no conditions. Now, when you throw the conditions in, you know, it was one of the harder ones. If I won't say it was harder than... um than the country club back in 2013. But I mean, it was, it was everything you could get. I mean, if you, if you shot North or sorry, South to 70, when it was blowing 30, you, you, you golfed your ball really well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then, and then the, just the variability I imagine of the firm conditions, magnified stuff, right?
1: Well, you know, you, you talk about a lot, you know, whether it's with Ogilvy or Doak or Brendan or whoever it may be that, you know, firm conditions, kind of allow the better players to rise to the top I you know I I want to sit here and be cocky and say yeah that was the case um but I do think that it allows more types of players to kind of be in it and and to play well you know it doesn't necessarily I'm not doing a very good job of organizing my thoughts here but you know it, it allows you know guys if they get hot to go out and to to really play well if maybe the conditions lay down or they go out and execute but you didn't see quite as much even if you missed the fairway like there was there was uh there was kind of rough but it was kind of light fesky when you could at least get it around the green where from there you could you know get it up and down or you could leave it in the right spot where you could you know putt or chip or just kind of get creative around the greens and I just I think it allowed for you to kind of utilize your entire quiver of your skill set and then from there to pick what you thought was the best option
0: so it was a little bit less, if I'm hearing you correctly, a little bit less pres- prescriptive. Like, here's what you do here.
1: Yeah, like you'd like to talk about, right? And I tend to agree with you. You know, if you miss the green on maybe say the PGA Tour, or, um, you know, or just call it the roughs real high or whatever, you know, even you hit it in a bunker or whatever, you kind of grab your lob wedge, maybe a sand wedge. And, you know, typically that's going to be kind of, you know, your, your go to shot. Now you, I mean, I elected to put it pretty much everywhere. You could have grabbed a three wood. You could have taken an eight iron and bumped it into a hill. You could have done a variety of different things.
0: What, um, with that, the USAM, this, the qualifying, is that the most stressful part of the USAM is that stroke play 36 holes of getting to match play?
1: Well, you sure think it is until you're even going into the last hole or the last couple. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I'll say this, um, in what's essentially a Walker Cup year, you know, kind of with it being next May, knowing that it's a shortened season, and there's not really a whole lot, you know, with COVID going on, um, you know, there's not a tremendous amount to play in. So, you know, you want to play well, specifically in USGA events and knowing that you didn't leave yourself, you know, in the best spot after day one, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it weighs on you and it's definitely, you know, a a weight that maybe you either put on yourself or just you feel that pressure. But um, I've not been shy about saying that the USAM to me is the biggest event the whole year. Um, You know, I've also not been shy about saying that, you know, I I think it's one of, if not, not really even negotiably the best field in amateur golf. So everyone's really, really good.
0: This one especially, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was an amazing field. And obviously, you know, there are a handful of internationals that weren't able to make it for one reason or another, but, um, I mean, if you, it was essentially invite only and it was, you know, a whole bunch of different players. So, um, I mean, the argument's certainly there, you know, that it was the best field ever. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good field. <laughs> Did,
0: were there any holes that you played differently, um, in stroke play than you did in match play or, you know, in a, in one match versus another match, depending, was there any, anything out there that made you kind of switch up the way you played holes?
1: They moved the tees up on 10. So I hit driver and kind of went for it. Right. Um, in stroke play, it wasn't that way. So I hit three iron, um, 16. You saw a lot of guys going for it. I, I didn't, um, I didn't in stroke play. I didn't in match play. Um, I'm trying to think I mean there's really not a lot that I changed that was too different now that being said I mean if you had the firepower or the huevos to go and to pull driver on a couple holes when they were downwind like number four for example like in the practice round I could see like oh, okay like I could see someone taking driver there if they either moved the tees up or it was humming downwind. And there were guys that went out and hit driver, you know, like blind and it was relatively benign of a landing spot, but you couldn't see it. So it was a tough visual shot. Now I, I could see it happening. I just wasn't going to do it. Um, the same thing goes for number five. I mean, you could, uh, you know, maybe hit driver if there was a little less wind and tried to kind of get it up the throat where, you know, it was a little tighter, but again, that didn't really enter my mind. Um, so I think it just kind of depends what your style of play is or how much risk you want to take on. And, you know, only the player can kind of make that decision. What'd you, what do you think of, uh, banded trails? That was good. H-
0: had you been to banded before?
1: Just for the four ball, just for the, uh, just for the Pacific dunes and old Mac and all the match I was on old Mac last year.
0: Oh, that's good. But, so you've played essentially all of them in competition now, except for sheep ranch.
1: Yeah. And isn't there one more and Pacific dunes or no, sorry, sorry. And, uh, the preserve I haven't played the preserve.
0: Oh, the short course.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What uh? What, what? Which of those courses do you like the most for a, a championship?
1: Bandon, not close.
0: Bandon, not close. That's uh... yeah. Pacific,
1: Pacific for the for the for the kids and for the college players and um, you know, just for some of the the better players. I just don't think it's got enough length. Obviously, if the conditions come in, that's huge and that's very helpful. um I thought Old Mac at the beginning of the week was great. You know, as we kind of continued to move on and and find new pins and switch it up. Um, I don't think it got goofy. I just, it felt like it was forced a little bit. Um, and you can see that a lot with other, with other, you know, USAM venues Is you always get creative, right? So like on the 12th hole, like you knew there was going to be a back left pin at some point and you knew that, you know, they were going to move the tees up. Cause otherwise it just wouldn't be playable. Um, but they're not going to put it there in stroke play. So sometimes it feels a little contrived and a little forced, but, for this one, um, they did a really, really nice job of kind of, kinda, you knew more or less what they were going to do, and it was totally fair, and the golf course was out there, and if the wind and the weather laid down, you know, it was gettable. But if the weather was up and the conditions were up, it was a really tough test. Like 15, super hard hole, but you knew what you were getting. Like you knew exactly what you had to do, and you knew that it required a really great shot to kind of pull it off, and you could get it close, and you knew where you could miss it, you know, just short left. But doing it was kind of a different story.
0: Yeah, I, th- I feel like that's the uh, sometimes the the best golf is like where you know exactly what you have to do, where you could miss, but then it's, and, it, you know, and, and by no means does it look overly hard, but it's just extraordinarily hard to do what you need to do, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I I, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of match play, right? Is like, you know, exactly <laughs> like it's so easy to sit there and be an armchair quarterback, but at the same time, you know, to pull it off is kind of a different story.
0: So you've played a ton of match play in the last uh, five years. Um, Do you think that there are match play players versus like some people that are better at match play versus stroke and, and likewise the opposite way where there's players that are better at stroke and better than match play?
1: It's definitely a skill and it's definitely something. I don't know if you're on the team or the side of there's no momentum in match play, which is kind of a ludicrous argument in my opinion i Um, think that's a ridiculous argument that's a that's a ridiculous argument like if the difference between being three up and one up in the span of two holes like at three up you feel bulletproof and at one up you're like oh my gosh what's going on yeah so i i guess i kind of understand that you know you you hit the same shot and you know you, you don't really play it any differently than stroke but like no that's that's you, you, all the wind's been sucked out of your sails. If you know, you go from two up to even or three up to one up and then obviously vice versa. Um, so what I'll say in regards to people being better match players, stroke play, I I think, I, I think there's something to be said for that. You look at a guy like a John Augenstein, which a lot of people liked a lot as being an incredible match play player. And he is, but you know, I think what makes John such a great match play player is one He's a not a streaky putter, but a very confident um, putter where if he sees a couple go in early, like he 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 kind of gets that snowball going down the mountain really quickly. I like to think I'm kind of in the same boat. If I see a couple go in early, that hole just gets bigger over, you know, just due to confidence. Um, I don't listen to rap pretty much anywhere except the gym and before match play events. I think it's important in um, match play to kind of come out and you don't really like you know see what the course gives you or get yourself into a rhythm or figure out what you have like you got to come out swinging. Like you got to come out with an edge you got to come out being a killer um, you got to kind of get to that first tee and be like let's get it on, so I think when you see guys maybe have a little bit more fire. And again, like I, I'm not sitting here for a second being like I'm an expert because I'm I'm not. This is just an experience that I've had. And you know, guys that I feel like are good match play players, you know, you look at like an Ian Poulter, you know, would be a good example. A Patrick Reed would be a good example. I mean, these are guys that get to the first tee, and short of literally pounding their chest, they're like, hey, you know, let's step into the ring. They're just they're ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I think there's something about what you said with the putting too, because there's a tendency with putting to get tentative and bash play, especially because you get these where you have three putts to win, you know, sure. and, and you all of a sudden, and then that can see pendier you know,
1: or how about this one where you have an 18 footer, the other guy's got a eight to a 10 footer and you're like, okay, we're not going to give this a ton of gas. You know, let's lag it up there to a couple feet. They give it to you and then they make the eight footer and you're like, well, shit, why didn't I give it a little more speed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, like you it, know,
0: it's that yeah. aggressive putter. What you're talking about with Augustine, it sounds like you know he kind of just pours them in, and he hits this the putts the same whether you know no matter what the circumstances.
1: Correct. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously using John as an example, but I think you saw it a little bit. You know, Palmer Cup matches. um, You know, NCAA's. You know, USAM last year, Walker Cup last year. I, I think you know, even he would kind of admit to that and be like, yeah, like if I get it going, like I start feeling it and it's on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, it's the, there's a tendency to, to feel like you can't not lose it. And that's stroke play is, do you think there's something to with the, you know, if you make a big number in a match, it's only one shot versus a, is there a mentality that goes with that with, you know, in a match, if you, hit, have a bad hole. It's only one hole versus stroke cool. play where like, you're trying to almost build the, the foundation of the house and, you know, one bad hole can tear the house down.
1: Yeah. Or you're four under and then you make a triple or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, you look at the, the, uh, the tower, the tower Strafaci Aman Gupta match on, in the semis when I'm on, I think he won this, the the fifteenth with five. I could promise you he didn't give a he didn't care one bit what he made on that hole as long as he won. Oh yeah, yeah like one hundred percent. And Tyler, you know the same thing. Like yeah, he made six. It's like okay, I'm still one up or whatever going into sixteen or whatever it was.
0: Do you think that course, say, you know, obviously like infrastructure, uh, fans, hotels, do you think Bandit could host like a, a U.S. Open?
1: So I listened to your podcast and I listened to the No Laying Up podcast last night, and the gen- I think Solomon did it with Lavner, and obviously did it with Porath. The general consensus from both of you guys was it would be really challenging to do anything beyond a US amateur. Um, infrastructurally, I understand that makes sense. Without fans, I agree with your take. Where if there's no fans, I thought that having him in the bubble which is what we had, you know, this past week would have made a tremendous amount of sense for the U S open. Um, but you know, then you sit there and, you know, maybe, you know, due to the wind and conditions, then some of those guys might say that, you know, it's too challenging or the, the waves, or, I mean, I'm, I'll be the first one to admit, like I was bitching and moaning about the wave that I got, and then I was fortunate to get through stroke play. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I think it would be really close. I mean, it's as fringe as it gets. I think you could have a U.S. open out there, if you can have, like, I, my impression of Bandon, and I think I've said this a couple of times, is is you could take Chambers Bay and make it the best in every aspect, that's kind of what you have at Bandon.
0: Yeah. It's just Does not that close. Sense? Yeah. The, the, the one aspect is it's just not close to people like Chambers Bay is. It's like, not
1: convenient to anything. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, when it's a healthy two and a half hours to Eugene and that's the closest big city that, that makes it tough.
0: Yeah, it's because even with like, you know, Shinnecock, the Shinnecock's still close to millions of people, you know, even though it's on Long Island. It's not, you know,
1: like, yeah, like, I mean, you fly into JFK and then it's a what an hour and a half from there. Or you fly into LaGuardia and then it's nearly two hours from there. Um, You know, I, I guess you could make that comparison, but. It feels a lot different. Like to Eugene, it's a healthy two and a half hours.
0: The other thing is like you're from <laughs> from J Gay to Shittacock, you're driving through society the entire way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, from I... Eugene to Bandon. It is you're it's not like the most populous parts of the, it's not like there's hotels everywhere all along the way.
1: So we so i flew into eugene and uh and i get in this courtesy car with garrett rank and and courtney who was our driver our, our our volunteer that was so nice to drive us down there and we drive for like 30 or 35 minutes and we get to i want to say the town was like hutchinson no it wasn't hutchinson but it was like something like that i forget what it was so forgive me and she's like okay this is the last town before Bandon after this it's two hours do you guys want any food and we we're like what yeah. <laughs> like okay <laughs> shoot
0: it's crazy. yeah. It's a cool place, though. I uh, do you when you get in these tournaments. Obviously, you've had a lot of success in, uh, in a number of USGA events. Do you have any? Do you get any superstitions going? Like, uh, I mean, we heard a lot about Ali Osborne's, uh, uh, you know, brownie brownie Sunday. But do you do you are you superstitious? Do you have something? If you're rolling, do you keep doing something, or are you just you do whatever you want every night?
1: Do you consider it to be superstitious or or to be in a routine?
0: Well, it's a good question it de- I think it would depend you know if you wake up the same time, I would say it's a routine. you know if you have right. a if you have a a dessert and it, you know it, if you
1: if you try and get to the range or the practice facility an hour fifteen early, is that superstition or is that a routine? That's a routine i right. don't
0: I don't think eating a a brownie Sunday every night because you ate one and you played better the next day. Is uh, th- I think that's a superstition. I don't think he's going to continue that for his his golf career.
1: Would you consider so? Like again, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Would you consider having scallop ceviche and a glass of Pinot Noir the night before instead of a brownie? A superstition or a routine? So you had the same
0: meal every night. I'd I say I the same have... appet- I,
1: had the sa- I had the same appetizer and the same glass of wine. I had one glass of wine every night at dinner. And I nice stretch before bed.
0: So that's all, ru- I think note. this is all routine. I think this the appetizer might be superstition. That's border. Appetizer
1: was the one where I was like, hey, like, you know, it's worked so far. So I'm I'm riding with the ceviche.
0: See that. See that. I would say that's, you know, that's a that, that doesn't play as
1: well. On, that doesn't play as well on TV, though.
0: No, you you probably didn't have a video of you eating the ceviche either. No, nobody, nobody
1: cared. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, there's that weirdo ordering ceviche for the third time.
0: So for banded, you, you say more amateurs. Great.
1: Yeah. Overall, I I guess. Yeah.
0: Compared. Listen,
1: it's, it's, a it's, again, I've said this, and I don't feel bad saying this at all. It's an amazing place. It's an awesome venue. Perfect for boys trips. Great for tournament golf, golf, great for match play, just kind of a pain to get to. And once you're there, um, you know it's awesome slipway camp it's great um love being there have had two great experiences there can't say enough great things about it but you know it is it's a trek to get there
0: what do you do in downtime i always thought that was the hardest thing with you know mid-am that you won that i played in i had the last tea time what do you do when you're not playing golf in these tournaments what what is your kind of routine to well take anyone up that time? knows
1: yeah. Anyone that knows me, even when after my round, if, if I'm not playing, I like to try and practice. And because if, if you're going there, you're going to play well. And, you know, you I almost have it's almost like a way of kind of just quelling any kind of anxiety that I may have. So whether that's putting or chipping or hitting balls, like it's almost more of a stress reliever. And what I compare it to is like when you look at competitive swimmers, like they go and they do their race, well, they warm up and then they warm down. And that's kind of what I've always considered it to be. And then at night, um, I don't know, you just be with the other guys or, you know, with your family, your friends or whatever, stretch, try and try and stay loose and all that. If, if it's not a pandemic, I I try and work out um, each night, you know, in some capacity for like 40 or 45 minutes, just to maybe not kill time, but if just to burn off any other energy and help you sleep a little better. When I work out, it helps regulate how much I eat. So that helps. Um, It helps you eat less. It actually helps me eat more because I, I have a, I mean, as a skinny guy, right? Like I've tried to put on weight for forever and I, um, I have difficulty putting on weight. So if I work out, it's kind of like being on a date, right? Like if you go on a date, like you're nervous and you maybe not, may not eat as much, or at least that's been my experience. Like you're just, you can't really describe it and you're not like maybe nervous or anxious, but your appetite is a little suppressed. And if I work out, it helps allow me to eat a little bit more just to, kind of not maybe lose as much weight which happens every event i'll play
0: ah that makes sense because then over the course of the week if you if you're not getting enough food you know this is stuff i don't have to think about because i never if you you know well, go, like if you, you ever, know, i don't have seven-day tournaments that i ever uh, make it the seven well, days
1: it started as a two-day tournament and it <laughs> yeah. turned into a seven-day tournament but <laughs> um <laughs> yeah no like i mean shoot if um which is you know a, a good problem to have i guess you could say right so um yeah, no, like if, um, if you have a 10 a.m. tea time, right? And then you're up at, call it, I don't know, 7.30, 7, 7.30, whatever. Um, you have your breakfast, but typically, again, it's 10 a.m. And you're kind of nervous before you go out to go play. And it's just, you know, it's on your mind or whatever. So you maybe don't eat as much. You have one or two eggs instead of three or just whatever. You get the point. Um, and then you play from 10 to 2.30. Well, you don't have lunch and you probably have a couple bars. You just walk five miles, like, you know, even after you get done, well, after you sign your card and done everything, it's three or three fifteen. You're kind of in that awkward hour where you maybe try and have another bar, or like a light meal. It just it just adds up.
0: No, it, that makes sense because then if you finish at three, yeah, you're in the worst time because then if you eat if you eat a meal, then it's like, well, I'm not hungry at seven, and right. that's where I I guess that that makes sense. It's uh, um, so with the um, do you, I'm I'm curious just on. A, general level do you think the tour should play more match play
1: personally do i yeah. yeah but from their standpoint like if you don't get your marquee guys well then you lose out on a ton of viewership like you know the answer to this i'm
0: I mean, just i'm just saying, from from a competition standpoint do you think there's something match play you, brings out something
1: if, if viewership were to stay the same and we yes. to stay consistent of course like we're assuming all those things right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right yeah of course then yeah you should play more match play it's an integral part of golf it's a different way of scoring and playing and I think it brings a different type of player kind of you know maybe it favors someone or maybe just someone's better at it or whatever I think you know if you go over I think it's really interesting how in Europe at DRNA they don't consider it to be a course record unless you do it in a tournament well the majority of their tournaments growing up have to do with match play events we don't have as much over here but you know I think that's cool and you know, it's a different way of scoring and I, I think it's really interesting and you know, an integral part of the game and I would love to see it happen, but I obviously understand why on the PJ tour they don't have as much of that.
0: Hey, what's been your favorite uh USJ event that you've played in?
1: 2016 mid was pretty good.
0: I okay, outside of that one. Uh maybe for venue Besides you know, the locker cup? Well, it could be that. Locker cup. Which
1: one? It's like asking me to choose my favorite child. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Um, they so, were both special in their own way. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take out the USGA that I won, and we're going to take out the two Walker Cups.
0: Okay, there we go.
1: Okay, how's that sound?
0: That sounds good. Okay. So you're taking okay. control of the question.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we need to take those out because I obviously have a, a bias. Um, one changed in my life, and the other two are by far... Two biggest usga events if not the biggest events ever played in so those are very special to me um that's i mean the best usga event in my opinion I mean, the us opens are obviously special but they feel like really big us ams i think the us amateur it's the one that when i qualified for in 2008 is was my first usga event i never played a junior I mean, that was always, like, the zenith and the pinnacle of amateur golf, right? Like, to me, that was always – that was it. And I put it – I still, to this day, put it on a pedestal. And it's, it's in my opinion, the biggest event of the year. And, you know, obviously, if you qualify, you know, for one of the other ones, that's an amazing accomplishment. But, you know, I, I Coach Bratton earlier this week had a really interesting comment because I asked him, I was like, do you think that the final match is – tougher than the semi or the cherry on top of getting to the final is is tougher and his comment was really interesting he said that if you win the u.s amateur you need to remember that you're there to win a golf tournament and if you win the u.s amateur 30 years down the line you're remembered as a as a u.s amateur champion yeah and um and that that kind of struck a chord with me that was really i i thought you know he hit it right on the head he's a pretty thoughtful guy and i i thought that that was pretty spot on
0: it seemed to me like the guys were more nervous in the semis than the finals. And I think For it's sure. because of that master's birth.
1: I, I think you're right. And I think if you go back and you see last year at Pinehurst, um, you know some of the scores weren't quite as great. You know The guys are playing a little bit more tight, a little more conservative. They're guiding a little more. Um, I've never played in the semis, so I can't attest to it. But that's just kind of optically what it looked like to me. You know, I I don't know for sure, but I, I, I think there's maybe something to that and having that on the back of your mind is, um, you know, is, is definitely it's there, you know, and it, it doesn't go away the whole day. Like you, I remember before the final in 16, you know, I went to sleep and it kind of hit me. I was like, holy shit, you know, this is a neat opportunity
0: yeah i was thinking about it when when i was you know 27 holes in inside the match play cut line and then magically i ended up being outside the cut line and you wonder why it was because you know you can't get let yourself get ahead of yourself unless you're probably in the championship it's uh
1: no and it's and thoughts always enter i mean even still they always enter and you know those things happen and You know, I think that's, to his credit, I think that's part of what makes Tiger so great is that he was able to kind of suppress those thoughts and compartmentalize and focus on what he could do and control. And um, it's just another classic example of who's the most impressive guy out there, Tiger Woods. No, no, no. We know a good Tiger. It's like, no, no, you don't. No, you don't.
0: (laughs) It's When you look at like the runs that players make and you're like, God, he's playing really great golf. And then then you're like God I mean the last twelve months he's done X, Y, and Z. And then it's like, oh well, Tiger's best twelve months for X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, there's just no comparison. It's it's just utterly insane. And I think like yeah, compartmentalizing it sounds so simple when people are like stay in the moment, stay present, but that's the that's the hardest that's essentially the essence of what I think makes golf so hard. Is that it's it's almost impossible to always stay in the present.
1: Oh, totally. And, uh, you know, again, not to bring his name up one more time, but with coach Bratton, you know, when I'm on, um, I think he was just such an integral part of that USAM, and he's had success, you know, with, with Peter Uline and he won in 2010 at Chambers Bay. And, you know, with Victor Hovland um, in 2017 at Pebble, I mean, he's just such a calming force out there and he's been there and he kind of, he knows um, kind of how to handle that situation. And when you're a caddy, I almost feel like if you're in a relationship, right? Like you kind of, you never can see clearly, but if you get a friend or a third party to come in and see what's going on, they can think clearly about it. Cause they don't have as much of a bias. And I think that coach Bratton does a really nice job of kind of being that third party where he's able to kind of steady his competitor and he's able to kind of walk him through and just be able to think a little bit more clearly. And that's, I'm using him as an example, but a great caddy Bones certainly had the ability to do that. Jim McKay, you know, run through the litany of, of different, you know, great caddies through the years and i think you know they had a really tremendous way stevie williams certainly had a great way of it you know joe Lacava. you know those guys have a tremendous way to kind of steady their player and to be able to get the player to think clearly and to really be an asset out there versus you know maybe not adding this much value
0: yeah or detracting you know that's or, uh... or
1: detracting or detracting and we don't need to make any any no. jokes after this weekend but no exactly
0: i i i completely agree i i my cousin i, I had Probably my favorite person to have caddy for me is my cousin, who's a high school baseball coach. He doesn't know the most about golf, but he, you know, he was a pitcher in baseball and he understands the mental side of it. And, you know, just the affirmations and, you know, not saying negative things or things in tones that could be even construed. Because when you're playing tournament golf, you probably aren't a sane person. You know, when you're from a mental side, you're, you know, you're so the anxiety is so high, and it's like having somebody that just talks the right way is so you essential.
1: Can, you can see it in their body language, and you know, the more the more you play, the more you see it, and you kind of know what to look for, and you know the tells. You don't look at the shot as much; you look at the body language, and you can see when their mind is racing you can see when their, their thoughts are moving really quickly. You can see when they're calm, you can see when they're confident, It's something in your walk, you know, and it's, it's such a subconscious thing. I, I, I don't watch a ton of baseball, right. I, I, I actually think it's, Boring, and they should move up the clock, and we don't need to go into all that. But you can tell when a pitcher is
0: people probably have the same complaints about golf that are baseball. hundred
1: percent, hundred percent. I'm not going to pretend for a second to be an armchair quarterback. I don't know any of the intricacies. But when a pitcher's feeling himself, like you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, if, and it's if, the same can be said for golf.
0: And it's the it goes back to the the argument tying it back to earlier the momentum thing. Anybody that says there's no momentum is full of shit.
1: Oh, yeah, like it's It's that's fine. And you're more than entitled to that opinion. But like you're with all due respect, you just you should play more match play stuff. Well, it it reminds me kind of because like you can get
0: wrapped up like it happens a lot with basketball where like, you know, the analytics says this guy is the best player on the court. But (laughs) if you watch a game, you're like, well, that guy gets his because of this other guy over here. You know, it's it's kind of like
1: it's kind of like saying that, you know. Aaron Donald, because he didn't have any sacks in the game, isn't the most impressive player on the field. Well, yeah, because he's triple teamed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I think that's like, I, because like, I know like there's been studies that say like there's no such thing as a hot hand in golf. Like there's, and, and I don't know if I agree with that, because I, I think there's, it's so much about confidence and being able to get over a putt and be like, yeah, hey, I'm going to make this. And a lot of times, if you make a lot in a round, you're going to make more.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ricky Fowler was like 600 in his last five when he won the players. And if that's not a hot hand, I don't know what it what is.
0: Some, some would say it's just statistically that can happen that's like the counter. Yeah,
1: then they would be correct but i mean i it's it's funny how it statistically happens more often than maybe it should you know if you kind of lock in and time gets real slow and you execute at a really high level at times when it's really helpful to for the end result
0: so it's been four years since you uh won the Midam, and you're 25 then now obviously you're 29 i'm curious about how you feel like your game has evolved and how where you know where do you think you've gotten better at certain things what i'm just interested in because i think a lot of people as you know they get older it's your game just changes right
1: yeah but i think also it's it's kind of the age-old expression of you know how old do you think you are Right. Like, I mean, how many 50 year olds do you know when you're just like, there's no way you're 50 and, you know, whether they for better or worse act like they're younger or older than, you know, that's right. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing that's changed is just the biggest sense of belief in myself and my game and my ability and my preparation when I don't feel as sharp when I do feel great. The biggest thing that's changed is I don't think there's quite as much that surprises me, especially from an amateur golf standpoint. I have a better understanding of how good the kids are. I have a better understanding of how good I am. I have a better understanding of what to expect in preparation for tournaments. I have a better understanding of what to expect when I get to tournaments, Um, you know, traveling, um, how to know how to rest, how to know how to prepare, um, you know, how helpful it is to work out, how helpful it is to eat certain things during and leading up to events. The golf side of it, I don't think has changed a ton. I think I have a little bit better idea of what I do well and what I don't. Um, but from a standpoint of, you know, like the year that I won the mid, like I hit it not great kind of leading into that event. And then I kind of scrapped it around and stroke play and scored all right. And I finally kind of got it together in the tail end of the second round of stroke play. And then in the first round, when I played our mutual friend, Aaron Price, you know, I, I played great. And that was kind of like, okay, like, you know, we, we got it back. Let's see if we can get it rolling. And then obviously I played well that week, but I think I just have a better idea of my ability and of preparing. And just, I have a more belief in myself is really the short
0: part of it. It's yeah. It's really just thinking you've, it sounds like you're better at thinking, preparing and, you know, I'm a
1: more mature golfer.
0: Yeah. You make less mental mistakes probably.
1: I still make plenty, but yeah, yeah. I make less. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I know I know better when to. I'm a, I'm much better now at letting things go.
0: The mental ones are the worst ones because those are the ones that stick with you. You know, it's okay if you miss hit something, but when you make the wrong decision, that's yeah. the one that kills me.
1: Like we look at this past weekend when I lost a tie, right? Like, so people are going to talk about, you know, the putt on 17 or the driver in the fairway on 18. Like, no, no, no. I would do both of those things. Again, the shot I want back is on 17 in the fairway, instead of trying to nuke a nine iron where the first part of the shot kind of ballooned up in the wind. And then the second part, you know, hammered, you know, the ball from left to right. I should have punched an eight and taken on, you know, just a little bit more penetrating of a ball flight. That's the one I want back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's so easy to that's like people always be like, oh, you know, if you three putt, it's like you missed a five footer. Well, like the putt that (laughs) went to five feet was horrendous. And that's the one that was 20. You left
1: a 20 footer five short. What are you doing?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like that's like I always think is like people always, always focus in on the shot that gets you that has the direct effect but so many yeah. times so much in golf it's the shot that precedes or precedes it twice that has that leads to the consequence
1: so in match play on the 8th hole when i played tie on the 8th hole i had a great iron out there i had like 110 pretty easy wedge shot leave it's like 20 feet right goes over a little ridge nothing crazy very handleable and i saw his kind of roll out a little bit so i get up there and stand over it and hit this putt and uh and i leave it like eight short and I was like, what are you doing, you idiot? And then I ended up making that and I just kind of rolled my eyes and I'm just like, come on, man, like, do better. And uh, as I'm walking by my dad to the ninth tea, I was like, hey, sorry, I didn't mean for it to be that stressful. That was pretty awful. And like in between puffs on the cigar, he goes, yep. <laughs> it's like, cool. Thanks, big guy. Pretty like.
0: <laughs> it's, I mean, cool. <laughs> I'll say, as a spectating, I think is worse than playing. You know, I, I, I like really loathe when I have a kid that's in any sort of competition watching it because like eat it. I'm sure you've had your dad on the bag before. I I'll never forget. No, I, I never have. You he have he
1: will not. He will not caddy oh, for me. I, you're lucky. He's much better at smoking cigars and having a cocktail watching me play golf. <laughs> he has <laughs> zero interest in caddying. Except for, when,
0: yes. my, my, when my my dad caddies for me, if it's if it's especially a match play, I can feel how nervous he is across the back. It's just the worst feeling in the world. I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable. Um, So that 2017 Walker cup team, we saw um, play pretty well in the PGA and you, you run down the list of players and it's just utterly insane how quick the success was. Do you, are you surprised at all by it? I'm going to guess that you're going to say no, but, then do you think that the 2019 team will have comparable do you think this is we're going to see this more and more where it's you know 3 years after 4 years after we're just going to be like wow look at all these players
1: am i surprised that they did it this early yeah am i surprised that they did it when looking at the the overall statistics of their career no um that team was so good. I mean, that was, that was kind of, I always tell people the practice session at the end of 2016 was kind of like my first real up close revelation of, Oh, wow. I need to get a lot better, like in a hurry. Like these kids are really good. And then obviously playing on the team, um, you know, you still had a lot of that, but yeah, I mean, it was a, <laughs> Colin and, and Norman went out at LA North, won the first four shot, bogey free six under or five under, I guess. Cause one was a par five or par four, you know, on the front nine at LACC, maybe it was even 29. i have to go back and check the card and didn't birdie the par five eighth hole. They had their match done in two hours and 12 minutes. Like they I mean, were done. They walked off 11. Like that's insane. So that team was so, 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 so good. Now, when you compare them to 2019, they're very different because that team in 17 excluding myself was, was very confident and they knew their ability very well. And they were just much more mature as I would say both golfers and people as a whole, just off the golf course, right? Like they had a very good kind of indic- or like just knowledge of who they were. They were a little older too. I mean, yeah, I think Will was going into a senior year. Colin was going into a senior year. Norman was young, but he was old at heart. Math had either just graduated or was going into a senior year. Um and Matt's like 45. Um Braden, I think, had just graduated. Uh Cameron, I think had just graduated. Scotty had just graduated. So who else? Uh I feel Doc like, was I feel Doc like the was,
0: accomplishments are also like they these guys almost blocked accomplishments from you know so many people behind them, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Y- yeah. They they had played in majors, they had played in PJ tour events, and they just you know they they were older. And when you look at this team from 2019, I I just think they're a little younger on the maturity side, not in the sense that like what they're, what they do is immature at all, just more in the sense of age and sense of self. And, you know, the difference between who you are at the start of your freshman year, when you're going into college and when you're going to the second semester of your junior year is wildly different, right? Like just as a person, as an adult, as a young adult. So um I think that once we kind of look in a few years and have some time to to mature and look at some of those kids and those teams I I think you'll see similar results I, I don't know and obviously won't be able to tell or say you know who's better or worse or so on and so forth but um you can't fake I mean look at what Brandon did this past weekend he started the year with basically no status and you know now he's in pretty good shape to make his card next year so I don't know. Um, I I think we can check back in in a couple of years, but but both teams are obviously full of studs.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it'll be. I think it's also like there's draft. It's like. If you look, follow the NBA, you know, like the 03 draft class with LeBron, Melo, Dwayne Wade. Outstanding. You know, he's Bosch like, in that one too. Yeah, Bosch too. And, you know, even like Kirk Heinrich isn't ever going to, but he was a really good pro for a lot of years, you know. But yeah. you look at, there's always going to be certain, you know, groups of players that are unbelievable. And I think looking back on that Walker Cup team, especially like people don't give, doc redmond enough credit for what he's done i mean he's been unbelievable he almost won last weekend and you know he he obviously got his card with no status the year before it's 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 yeah
1: he mondayed into the 3m or whatever it was
0: yeah rocket mortgage it's it's just mortgage that's the thing is you look at the look at that team and you look and you're like god all but three of them have pga tour cards and one of them that doesn't is will zalatoris who's leading the uh or in second in the in the corn Ferry money list he'll be
1: he'll be just fine yeah he'll be just fine
0: yeah it's, it's pretty wild um so it, with uh ask you a couple quicker questions um what's your what's your favorite mid-am event that's not you know usga event that doesn't get enough love you know, maybe under-the-radar mid-am event that you've played in the last four years or so.
1: Can we take out the two obvious ones?
0: Yeah, like, yeah, I'm saying underrated. It, like, flies under the radar, not like Crump, you know, or, or Coleman.
1: I loved the Concession Cup. I thought that was a ton of fun. That's, that's the obvious one to me. I thought it was a great group. I thought it was really well organized. I thought... um I thought there was a tremendous group that kind of supported um, the event at large. You know, we had the chance to, to spend some time with, with Mr. Nicholas, with Jack and um, you know, just a couple of dinners that were there and it was just a great group. And, you know, it's guys that you've kind of looked up to, you know, in the Amber game, both um, you know, both in the UK. And I think that they're going to expand it to the UK and Ireland and the world as well. And, you know, and, and on our side. So that was, that's one that immediately comes to mind. Um, I'll throw it back to the state team from back in the day. I was a big fan of the state team. I thought it was a fun group. It was a little, you know, a little unique, but you know, I I I like that stuff. And you know, the smaller organizations, you know, they 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 love stuff like that. And I thought it was I thought it was cool to kind of get everyone involved. And I thought that a lot of people around the country really cherish the opportunity to go to some of these nice places and and to play for their for their golf association and for their state.
0: State team way underrated. I, I it was a disappointment that one left because it, the other thing that it did was it, it incentivized the best players to play locally too because they had to get the points sure. they had to accrue the points in their local golf association to qualify for the team. You know, you want to play, sure. so you know, all of a sudden you have to play in the, your state AM or your you know state match play and and all kinds of stuff. That that event definitely needs to come come back. Um, so what uh hopefully you're in wingfoot t b d it's all yeah. based off the numbers the the wagger numbers, but you've I'm, played it I'm, once i'm yep yeah, yeah. obviously watched u s open golf there uh yeah you know what would excite you about playing u s open at wingfoot and uh maybe uh a little bit about what you think about the golf course
1: You'd figure out how good how good you are really quickly. You'd figure out how good at golf you are really really quickly, and um, you know it'd be a tremendous test. Tee to green; those greens are very slopey. You know, you you, you, you it's the U.S. Open. When you when you think of the U.S. Open and what you think U.S. Open venues can are, you know, you think Wingfoot, you think Oakmont, you think Pebble, you think Shinnecock, you think um, you know maybe the Country Club. You know, up in Boston, you think of. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll keep, keep going here. You know, Baltus. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So so it's kind of in that, you know, that to me, it's kind of in that esteemed rotation of courses. And, um, I think it would be a tremendous test. I think it would be, you know, an amazing opportunity to, to have the ability to potentially compete. Um, it would be, it'd be an incredible experience. And, you know, I, I, I think having played a couple of them or a few of them before, you know, I think I'd be able to, um, you know, be a little bit more experienced and better about what to expect, and maybe not have the nerves on the first tee that I've had in my first or second year, and a little bit not as much last year. But obviously, the more you play, the more accustomed you get to it. So, yeah, it'd be an incredible opportunity, and I I hope it works out.
0: Uh, i just you said something earlier. What made the Country Club the hardest setup you've ever played in?
1: Um, really tight, high, rough, tiny greens, firm greens, um, no margin for air, super fair. There wasn't really even that much weather that week. It was just, it was so tough and so fair. There's just, there's no, it's kind of like, you know, a chinny, you know, you go out on the first hole and you hit like a four iron, a wedge out there. And then it's kind of like, all right, go get it, play hard. And that's kind of how the country club was. It's like, Not even the first hole. I mean, there's like there's a couple holes. Like, is it? I want to say like the sixth hole. One, two, three, four, five, six is. I think it's the sixth hole. It's like a four iron wedge. Like, sure. The eighth hole, I guess, is like three iron wedge. But besides that, it's like play hard. Yeah,
0: that is bringing up Shitacock. It is. It is like the first hole. You better get after it the first hole because it doesn't get any easier after that.
1: Yeah, like the uh, – I think they've changed the routing a little bit, but I want to say it's the – I want to say it's the 10th, 11th, 12th holes of par five up the hill, slight dog leg left. Like if you miss the fairway, like you have to aim for the walkway to get it like up on top where you still have like 100 yards. And if you can't reach it to the top level, you then lay it up to like 220 to a green that's, you know, the size of our respective offices where we're sitting. It's and it's blind. Like it's so hard. Yeah, it's so fair, but it's so hard.
0: It's yeah. It's the the classic courses. It's yeah. They just yeah. had something going. Obviously, they had to keep up. But uh, U.S. Opens, or uh, I think God. it's just so so much fun because there it is like it is undoubtedly a test, and I think even last year they got a little shit for maybe not being the scores, not being quite low enough, but it definitely they did a great job yeah.
1: last year. And I, I don't care what Twitter has to say about that. They did a tremendous job.
0: Yeah, there, it was certainly a test. It, it was very clear who the best players were at the end of the week, which is what the, the job of the tournament is to do. So yes. Stu, great tournament. It was, uh, it was fun watching you as always. And, uh, thanks for coming on again. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you in a couple weeks at Wingfoot.
1: Fingers crossed. Thanks, man. You're a good friend. we um, talk to you soon.